What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 20 of the Everyday Scout. Um, we're going to do some mid-season award uh, predictions today. Obviously, eight, eight weeks of the NFL season has passed. In my opinion, it always goes pretty quickly, uh, the first eight weeks. And then once it gets around towards this Thanksgiving time, starts to slow down, start to figure out a lot about a lot of different teams and players. Um, but anyways, I'm here with my co-host, Connor Bunfell, and I'm going to pass it over to Connor with the news to start off uh, today's episode. How's it going, everybody? We actually have a lot of news coming out this week. Uh, trade deadline obviously passed this last weekend, but we also have a lot of injury news. And then, as per usual with the 2020 season, a lot of COVID news. But, you know, starting with the trades, uh, the Jets – Gave up Avery Williamson, veteran middle linebacker, a seventh-round pick to the Steelers for a fifth. I believe both of those picks are in 2022. Uh, Williamson is a pending free agent after the season, but with the Devin Bush injury, you know, the Steelers are one of the healthier teams in the NFL right now, which can you can attribute a lot to that success they've been having. But, you know, that's it's definitely good to fill that hole that they had middle linebacker. I know Robert Spillane's been a great fill-in for them, but – it, this is a veteran guy who's been around the league forever. Um, and then Mike Chargers dealt former All-Pro slot corner and kick returner Desmond King to the Titans for a sixth-round pick this year. I kind of saw this coming, and, you know, Des is – because a lot of people were surprised about the price. You know, Des King is a former All-Pro, and he's only 25, I believe, and got shipped off for a sixth-round pick. But he's just had a lot of not off-the-field stuff, but internal stuff. He's Him and Anthony Lynn, he's, he's probably the most hated player by the Chargers head coach. I'm pretty sure all Chargers fans know that. He, he was inactive for at least one or two games a year just based off coaching decisions. And then last year, he actually had the highest passer rating given up by any targeted defender in the NFL last season. But, you know, he's, he's still very young, so he could probably return to that all pro pro bowl level of play with the Titans, just cause you know, it's just getting out of the chargers probably get a little lucky. Um, and then the biggest trade that did not happen was the Texans giving Will Fuller to the Packers. Uh, you know, this fell apart at the very last minute of the deadline. We knew the Texans wanted to give up Fuller or cooks and they both are staying for the rest of the season. Cause they're both, they're both free agents at the end of the year. Um, so it probably would have been smart to get rid of them, but Houston was asking Green Bay for a second-round pick for Will Fuller to play half of a season. And knowing Will Fuller, it's going to be a half of a half of a season with his injury history. But I just, you know, I think this has a lot about where the Packers are as a franchise right now. Because we saw a team like New Orleans willing to break, like do a sign-and-trade in the NFL. Some groundbreaking stuff, you know, give up a first or second-round pick for Clowney before the year. It obviously didn't happen. But Green Bay, you know, we've, they didn't draft a receiver to help Aaron Rodgers. They, all, they drafted pieces for the future. So, you know, to us looking at it, this pick, they're probably going to mess up or misuse. The this, this second-round pick they're going to use next year probably won't be for Aaron Rodgers. It's going to be for Jordan Love. So I think this team, which I just don't like what they're doing. Obviously, they're a great team. Rodgers playing out of his mind. But – I think you kind of have to be all in or for the future. I don't think you can successfully do both. And that's what it looks like they're trying to do here. I want to know your thoughts. 
Yeah, no, I mean, that definitely started during the draft in April. And, you know, I, I definitely agree with you that they're in a weird, like, no man's land between the two. And it's even weirder that they're doing that successfully right now and they're leading mm -hmm. and are in the Super Bowl bubble for all intents and purposes. But, I mean, as you said, like, Will Fuller mm -hmm. injury history, like, a little bit of a rental. Like, a second is a pretty high price. Um so I'm not, like, shocked they didn't give that up, but you, you definitely are right that they have not been, you know, super aggressive like New Orleans or a Seattle in, in, in you know, trying to take advantage of um, Aaron Rodgers' Super Bowl window. Um, but, yeah, moving on here in the news, uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, I think everyone saw that fight, uh, got punched quite a lot by Javon Wims, um, who suspended two games. And, you know, that's just a little reminder that, it's Florida Georgia week. Javon Wims being a former Bulldog and Chauncey Gardner Johnson being a former Gator. So that should be a great game in college. Will tell us a lot about the playoff. Chauncey was also the player who most notably got punched by Michael Thomas in practice a few weeks ago. Yeah. So I don't know what he's doing, but he continues I to, guess he's got a punchable face. Yes, no, a punchable helmet to say. Obviously, yeah. I think anyone understands that part of it. Um, Jimmy G is out uh, four to six weeks, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, something like that, probably six, around six weeks. Um, and, you know, it's been a weird year with him and the 49ers in general with all their injuries. But, I mean, yeah, could Shanahan look for someone in the offseason? I, I have trouble believing they'd have a high enough pick to get a rookie that would be able to start year one. So it would probably be a veteran on the market. Uh, what are your thoughts on that one? I agree. I mean, if the draft was today, they'd be sitting at 15, where I think you could get a guy like Zach Wilson or Kyle Trask. I don't think any of the big three fall out of the top 10. But I think, I've, you know, both of us, I mean, I don't know about you, but I've been a very outspoken in, in opposition of Jimmy Garoppolo as a starting quarterback, especially for the Niners franchise. Not only does he's like, he's just not great. He's good. He's not great. And it's like the replacement value is arguable, but when you also add the fact that he gets hurt every other fucking game, I think it's I think it ups the amount of replaceability right. for Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. I mean, I, like, of, yeah. What I've been saying is, if I'm the Niners, you, you just need to cut bait. You know, hopefully you get a rookie, but this team is built to win now. Uh, I think Kyle Shanahan, being the best head coach in the NFL, could probably win with a rookie at quarterback, whereas. We think a lot of these guys in this class need to sit for a year, but I think if you're on the Niners with Kyle Shanahan, you'll probably do just fine. But I like veterans that are going to be available. Obviously, Dak's the big name. I don't know if Dak gets out of Dallas. Um, I've been saying all year, if Dak goes to the Niners, they're going to be my Super Bowl pick for the next three years, <laughs> and I'm not yeah. even going to blink about I mean, it. I don't think Dak's getting out of Dallas. Um, yeah. I would have a hard time seeing them let him go. Dak's value is going up a million dollars a week right now. Yeah. So, like, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I'm not a great – also, Bill Belichick is still the best head coach in the NFL, just to – Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, as for Jimmy G, like, I'm not a huge Jimmy G fan either. But, I mean, again, you got to look at it in this case. Like, I know 49er fans and some people are, like, eager for them to cut bait, as you said. But, like, where – like, the grass – for you to cut bait, like, the grass needs to be greener when you are in – a Super Bowl, mm -hmm. Super Bowl window. Like, it, like again, he's not a great player. 
and that gets exposed a lot because his coaching is great. His, his, you know, his surrounding support is great. His defense is great. Like everything else around him is great. So yeah, it was great. It, it looks, it looks worse than it is, but like, like, are you confident Matt Ryan would be better for this team next year than Jimmy Garoppolo? Like, I, I'm not that was a question I wanted to pose because a lot of people have brought that up. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, a lot of people have brought that up as a as a possibility. You know, with where Atlanta is going to be in the draft. You know, obviously Ryan's experienced with Shanahan before. I don't know if it's better per se based on where Matt Ryan is in his career right now, but. I also believe this regime is smart enough to be aggressive if they have to be in terms of the NFL draft. So if they're sitting there at 16, they know that this roster right now is a Super Bowl roster, and I think we all know that. You know, they, they've probably been the most injured team in football this year, um, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But I don't know, man. I just think it's time to move on. I think they'll find a quarterback one way or another, which – Obviously, isn't very easy to say based on you know the state of the NFL right now and quarterback play around the league, but hopefully it works out. And then outside of Jimmy G, uh, George Cable is going to be out for eight weeks, which looks to be the rest of the year for the Niners. Um, you know, we both thought they were going to sneak into the playoffs, and you know, they still, <laughs> they still might be. They still, they still very well could with the way you know their defensive coordinator Robert Sal is getting that getting their JV team on defense to still play at a top-notch level. I mean, he probably should have been a head coach last year. He probably will be next year. So we'll see what happens there. But it just sucks to lose Jimmy and Kittle in the same week because that's the nail in the coffin if it wasn't already there for the Niners. Yep. And then obviously with COVID, uh, more cases popping up. Matthew Stafford uh, was placed on the COVID list because of uh, close contact with a positive case of someone who wasn't on the team. So someone mm-hmm. who's out in the general public, we're not sure who that is. Uh, Ravens are getting hit pretty hard by it right now. Um, and they travel to Indianapolis, which could be potentially a trap game for them. And then the Niners shut down their facility today, even though they're playing tomorrow. And there are cases mm-hmm. on both sides. But the league has said nothing about postponing the game. So basically, like, I just get the sense that the league is just – like, Roger Goodell just made the decision that they're just going to power – they're just going to power through this season and just do it. The NFL day. stops like, for no one. Like, it's, it's going to stop for no one. Um, yeah. And, like, they will get to the Super Bowl and they will play the Super Bowl and they will crown a champion. And that's just the way it's going to be. And if some key players have to sit out, so be it. But the games will be played. Um, love it or hate My it, thing- there's more football. My thing with that, I think I 100% agree for the regular season, but I think when you get into the playoffs financially, if you're sitting there, NFC Championship week, games on Sunday, Aaron Rodgers test positive Saturday morning, are they playing that game? You're right. They have more. They have a lot more flexibility. I think because there aren't enough, there's less teams in the playoffs. I think we can sure. see the playoffs moved more than in addition sure. to the regular like season happen. at this point. Like they're going to happen. Like the yeah. Super Bowl is 100% happening. Shouldn't say oh, that. Oh, it'll never get canceled. I'm just saying yeah. flexibility. Right, right. You're right. Once they get in the playoffs, more of that. And then a potential 16-team playoff floated around an idea for this year because of, you know, just the weird circumstances. I'm not against it for this year only, but I don't. I didn't like the original playoff expansion, um, so for what it's worth. Yeah, and I think their main thought with that is, you know, we're sitting here halfway and Obviously, you know, COVID is spreading like it's a disease almost. Um, 
That would so that's sense. like that's contingent on you know games getting canceled toward the end of like the last few weeks getting canceled, you know, so nobody gets just shafted out of the playoffs. But we'll see what happens there. And then another little 49er stat, a lot of 49er news going around today. But in our game, so Thursday night football tomorrow night, Packers, Niners, gonna play. Not sure how, since Kendrick Bourne tested positive today and they shut down their facilities. But as we said, looks like there's NFL is just like, yeah, sure, next man up at this point, you know, football mentality. But I saw this stat on Twitter and it's just kind of talks about how the Niners season is going. There won't be a single offensive skill position player for the 49ers on Sunday that got a touch in the NFC championship game. Yeah. Every single one of them are out due to injury or gone, like Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah. No, that's – there's obviously been a lot of turnover. And you mentioned Emmanuel Sanders because this is kind of unrelated, but is it just me or do the 49ers not have real wide receivers? They just have, like, big Percy Harvins. Like, Debo I mean, Samuel, Brandon Ayuk are not – I love their wide receivers. No, though. no, I love how they, they use their receivers unlike any other team. Yeah. They consistently get multiple carries a game. Yeah, they don't have DK Metcalf and Julio Jones. Not, they don't run intermediate <laughs> routes. It's not like Debo Samuel just runs comebacks and digs. and put, like it's, That's just not how things work. And it's cool. Brandon Ayuk's a beast. It like, works. Yeah. It works. But it's just crazy. Um, but anyways, yeah, the 49ers are reeling. We'll see that game Thursday night. And now, after that news, we're going to get to our midseason awards. And, of course, we're going to start off with the MVP, um, which is Russell Wilson. Um, I think this might be finally the year. Uh, there's not much to say about this one. His team is 6-1, and one, and I don't think they have a very good roster, so it's almost all in, in, you know, thanks to him. Um, he has 26 touchdowns in seven games through the air, and that's basically – like, it's time to actually start keeping track of that, that record number – Peyton Manning through 55 in 2013. Russell Wilson is currently pacing 59 touchdowns. Uh, he would need 56. So that is a storyline from here on out. Yeah, and not only is the record the number to look for with Russ, but Lamar led the league last year with only 36. And with Russ where he is only halfway through the year, that's obviously going to be blown out with a number, barring something unforeseen. But you know, I was really, really confident in my Dak Prescott MVP pick, which you know about. Sadly, it's not going to happen, obviously. But I think everybody around the league right now, you know, we, I think two, two, three weeks ago, so there week five, probably week five-ish, it was kind of like a three-man race. You know, there wasn't really – nobody had had that bad game yet. You know, if we were sitting here like Josh Allen is an MVP candidate. and that Bills team has really struggled in the in the last month since we talked about the awards. Right. Um, so he's kind of he's gone. He's out of the picture now. Um, <laughs> the second we said Rodgers is the MVP, they had that game against Tampa Bay. Yeah. Obviously, he's not out of the picture. But you know, although the Seattle team did lose in overtime to the Cardinals. I the numbers speak for themselves when it's Russ. I don't think anybody's gonna just come out of the shadows and steal this award from him, like what's happened the last forever, I mean, Mahomes <laughs> the last few years. Mahomes is still in it. 
Mahomes is very well like, still if, in if it. Russell, I think if Russell slows down a little bit, loses a few games, yes, gets off his touch pace, and Mahomes keeps lighting it up, like Mahomes could definitely take. Yeah, I think looking at the award right now, I think there's two tiers. I think Russ is a clear number one in a tier of his own, and then tier two are three other quarterbacks that if they continue this level of play and Russ blunders, because he really hasn't yet, he had a two-pick game and a loss, but he's still far and away leading in every statistical category. You still have Mahomes sitting there, Rodgers sitting there, and Brady sitting there, depending on where those teams finish the season. So that's definitely something to watch, but I think Russ is definitely a step or two ahead of everybody else right now. Yep, for sure. Um, Now Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, this is sometimes the same player as uh, the MVP, uh, but we, we decided not to do that just to make things a little bit uh, more fun. And I'm going to go with Dalvin Cook here. Um, he's only played six games, but he has been, you know, absolutely phenomenal in those six games. He just beat – he just went to Lambeau Field and beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers almost single-handedly. Um, there was some stat about he scored on all of his team's first four possessions, which he was either the first to ever do mm-hmm. that. One first of the ever. He's averaging 109 yards on the ground per game, 5.3 a carry, and 10 rushing touchdowns in six games. He's explosive. Um, and, you know, he's not on a very good team, but he, he's been prolific. So, you know, if he doesn't miss another game, he could he could definitely put up big numbers in terms of, potentially reaching 20 rushing touchdowns, which is a big milestone, and like 1,600 or so yards. So that's something to keep an eye on. Who uh, do you do you pick for offensive player? Yeah, my, my original pick for this award was Christian McCaffrey. So, you know, two of my picks missing either the majority or the entire season due to injury. Um, but right now I think the offensive player of the year award is going to go to Alvin Kamara if it ended today. Obviously, I think that could very well change, you know, even this week because Michael Thomas has not played a full game yet this season. So I do think Kamara's stats have to be taken with a grain of salt. But, you know, kind of going with that, he's, he's been nothing short of phenomenal. He's carried Drew Brees on his back this entire season and Taysom Hill, you know, he, since he's playing a lot nowadays. But Kamara is currently on pace to break the – running back reception record, which McCaffrey broke last year with 119. I believe he's on pace for about 122 to 125 right now, which is absurd. He's second in the NFL in receptions right now as a running back. Um, you know, he's still probably not going to hit that 200 carry number that he hasn't touched yet in his career. He does have a couple games this year where he has single-digit carries, but then paces the team with 13 receptions and 150 receiving yards and a couple touchdowns. He's He's really just a dynamic playmaker. I do think, you know, it's kind of inevitable that his numbers are going to go down. He's, he's the number one receiver for this team right now. And when you get a guy like Michael Thomas back, you know, even if he's 75% healthy, you know, they, he keeps getting sat for some reason. You know, we, we could have a whole segment on Michael Thomas and the Saints. Um, but I do think if the season ended today, it would be Alvin Kamara because, you know, a lot of the time we look at teams like Seattle for example. And I think, I think this argument could very well be made for Dalvin Cook too. You know, like if Russell Wilson's on Seahawks, that team wins three games. The Saints are obviously a very well-coached team right now, but the only reason this team is scoring points is because of Alvin Kamara. And I mean, that argument could be made for Dalvin Cook. They have a great receiver duo right now, especially with the breakout of Justin Jefferson. 
But this team cannot move the ball without Alvin Kamara right now. But, you know, as I said, his numbers are probably going to go down. I don't expect him to break that reception record. He's also supposed to break the reception yardage record for a running back, which is about 1,050 right now. But we'll see. Maybe he can magically only catch 81 passes for the fourth season in a row. That would be <laughs> that would be we'll that see. Is one of the craziest stats alive in the NFL right now. Three straight mm-hmm. with 81 catches. Um, now on the defensive side of the ball, defensive player of the year, um, going to go T.J. Watt here. Could definitely be Aaron Donald. Could definitely be Miles Garrett. Um, but, you know, I just like the narrative. You know, the Steelers are 7-0. You know, they've got a great defensive front again, and that is spearheaded by, by T.J. Watt. Um, so it's kind of nice to, to get, get this award back in Pittsburgh. You know, he's done everything this year. He leads the league in quarterback hits with 21. He has six and a half sacks. He has an interception. Um, and his team's seven and out with the defense leading the way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's made plays. And, you know, Garrett is right there. He leads in sacks. He has a ton of forced fumbles, uh, which are two pretty important um, uh, stats for this award. Um, but I'll lean Watt right now because of his hot start. Yeah, and Watt was my preseason pick, and he's still my pick today. You know, I the main argument for me that I made uh, before the season started is – this schedule that the Steelers had, and obviously they're the last undefeated team right now. The schedule is just amazing for the Pittsburgh Steelers on the defensive side of the ball. You know, obviously Aaron Donald will be in the running for defensive player of the year until the day he dies at this point. Um, Miles Garrett's injury wasn't as serious as we expected it to be. You know, I think if Miles Garrett ended up missing an extensive time, I think TJ would have ran away with the award. Because um, as, as we talk about every time we talk about NFL awards, you know, they're narrative driven. Um, so I think Steelers last undefeated team, you know, and outside of TJ Watt, it's probably him and Donald and then Garrett, but it, it's a three man race at this point, you know, obviously Khalil Mack's having a great year, which he wasn't even talked about at all last year. He's still a great caliber player, but the Steelers defense as a whole is just as absurd as we thought it was. TJ, Stephon Tewitt and Bud Dupree all have at least six sacks, which they're all in the top 10 which is just completely absurd. Um, you know, last week, obviously, the game of the week was that, that Steelers-Ravens game. Um, I was very surprised that the Ravens were favored by almost a touchdown in that game. Um, but, you know, I do expect this team to end up winning division this year because the Steelers are Lamar's kryptonite. If you, know, if you are, look at Lamar's career, he's never had a good game against you. No, see, that's true, but I think this game was a little misleading. I mean, this, the, the Ravens dominated time and possession. The they first dominated half, the yeah. totals. So, like, I mean, and Lamar played terribly on a few very important downs and made some big mistakes, but I didn't see – like, the Ravens were able to run the ball at will, and that was something we were really – Yeah. So, like – for this, I'm not sold on the Steelers winning this division quite yet. I know the Ravens have two losses, mm-hmm. but I mean, I saw nothing in that game to be like, oh, the Ravens really are a step behind Pittsburgh. Lamar plays a, a solid game, they win that game. It's that simple. Yeah, but I think it's easier said than done. I do, I do agree. The first The first quarter looked way better than it really was for Pittsburgh. Yeah. Obviously, the first pass of the game was a pick six by the Pittsburgh defense, which everybody was kind of stunned um, about happening out the gate. But they literally could not move the ball on offense 
um, at least for the first half of the game. But, you know, this team, I've been saying it all year, this team needs Deontay Johnson to stay healthy for that offense to move the ball. Yeah. He's definitely Big Ben's favorite target. I mean, this game was – I like, I don't think Deontay's finished a game this year off the top of my head. I don't know if he's played a whole game start to finish. But the game he played the most in was Tennessee. He played about two and a half, three quarters of that game. He had 15 targets, and he had nine for 80 and two. No, so, no. I think Big Ben definitely missed him. Element. Uh, James Conner has been, like, very underrated this year. I still don't like him back. necessarily. He's yeah, he's, he's okay. Yes. He's okay. But I do think, you know, both of these teams need to get the offense figured out. Obviously, the Ravens, you know, this is probably the best they've looked running the ball this year. Because um, they had, I believe, three runners over 60 yards, maybe more than that, between – Dobbins, Gus Edwards, and Lamar. I mean, Lamar still looks phenomenal as a runner, but you know, obviously, if he if he can't figure out the passing game, and something we forgot to completely mention, uh, kind of blew over my head because the tweet was deleted. But Marquise Hollywood Brown showing shades of his cousin Antonio after the yeah. game on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I'm not too worried about that either. I think it is just post game frustrations after a tough loss. But yeah, definitely. Who knows? Antonio could be in his ear. Um, <laughs> All right, now coach of the year, um, who do you got for that one? I know you picked Tomlin preseason. I picked Tomlin preseason. I expected this team to win double-digit games, and they're still going to, and my pick is still Mike Tomlin. Steelers are sitting at 8-0 right now, and, you know, Mike Tomlin's worst record as a head coach is 8-8. Eight eight. <laughs> I mean, that that's just speaking about, you know, how he's been – in his career, you know, the, the one of, you know, talking about, you know, Kamara catching 81 balls three years in a row. The other crazy stat is that the Steelers have only ever had three head coaches. That's good. Yeah. Isn't talked about at all. Um, I definitely think Tomlin's in the running with this award right now. You know, we talked a little bit about the show, you know, cause last year, you know, coach of the year, it's usually like it's usually given to the best team in the league or top two, top three team in the league. But last year, there was a lot of clamoring about Brian Flores winning coach of the year for the five and 11 Miami Dolphins, which I think would have been great because I love Brian, Brian Flores. Um, but unless there's some Cinderella story, you know, as it is with all of the awards, I think Tomlin's going to run away with it. Yeah, um, I'm going to go Cliff Kingsbury for this one. And, you know, Tomlin, I would agree, is the leader in the clubhouse right now. But I just think it's fascinating. Like, if you look at the NFC West, which is the best division in football without question, like, mm-hmm. think about the coaches you have in that division. You have Pete Carroll, you have Kyle Shanahan, you have Sean McVay. Those are arguably three of the top five, six, seven coaches in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, those, yeah. you have those three. You have Belichick. You have Andy Reid. You have Tomlin. You have Hardball. Like, those are pretty much the top seven guys. I would think everyone said. That division's got three of them. And mm-hmm. here we are at the halfway mark. And the Arizona Cardinals are five and two. And, and they're two yeah. in division. They've played two divisional games. They beat the Rams and they beat the Seahawks. So I mm-hmm. think if Kingsbury – um, Second-year guy, along with Kyler Murray, hiring was questioned two years ago, and he fled USC. I can't blame him for that. But for an NFL job, it was criticized at the time. But you know, year two, 
it's looking like, you know, they can do more than hold their own. And yeah. at this rate, they'll obviously be a playoff team. And just it's just more impressive when you look at the coaches he's competing against. I think in that yeah. he's been, you know, the number one guy. Yeah, I, I love everything the Cardinals have been doing this year, except, you know, the use of Isaiah Simmons. Um, right. Obviously, we got, we got to see Simmons get a pick in that overtime game against Seattle that they ended up winning, but it kind of looked like he was just on the field because everybody else was gassed in overtime. I mean, if they figure that out, hopefully that can help propel them into the playoffs. But, you know, I, I do like the pick. It is very low-key that they're sitting here at 5-2 and two in, the, in the best division of football. Right. All right, Offensive Rookie of the Year. I think we're going to agree on this one. Uh, I have Justin Herbert of the Los Angeles Chargers. And, you know, I'll let you do this one. But it's just – I'm just shocked he's this good. I'm just – I didn't. I don't. I don't think anyone saw it coming out of or like. I just. I didn't see it. I didn't see this. Nobody did him being this accurate or cutting it loose like this. So, what are your thoughts on him? I love Justin Herbert. That that's that's the main takeaway here. I think everybody loves Justin Herbert. My original pick for this award was Clyde Edwards-Helaire, who was having a great season, and now the the Chiefs remembered that they just don't have to run the ball ever again. They could just throw it 30 times a game and score 40 points. And then, you know, they tried to do this whole cute Le'Veon Bell thing, revenge game against the Jets, having seven carries for six yards. So we'll see. But Justin Herbert, he's been a top 10 quarterback this season, in my opinion. Um, and obviously the rookie mistakes, you know, it happens. They're noticeable. He's obviously had one or two very just like, oh, uh, you know, like coming back down to earth throws every game. But, you know, like he he had two picks. It was his first multi-interception game this last week in Denver. Um, but some of the – like, it's just the highs outweigh the lows by so much, it's absurd. Because, you know, Justin Simmons, a very underrated defender in the league, made a great play for an interception on the first drive of this game. Just completely baited Herbert into throwing the ball over the middle. And – you know, he just – he like, it, it doesn't affect him at all. You know, coming out of Oregon, we were like, you know, he's not a leader. He's just kind of this weird, tall, nerdy kid. Um, like, the poise, I don't know. Like, he, he has a really good arm, but we just throw screens. So, whatever. Um, I, like, can you name the quarterbacks, in your opinion, right now, that have a better touch on a deep ball? than Justin Herbert, and can you name them on one hand? Um, well, Wilson's there, Rodgers is there, Mahomes is there. That should tell you a lot that there's a three-guy star. And then it's probably Herbert. Um, right? The touch on the deep balls are yeah, – they're, no, they're, yeah. they're beautiful. They're no, beautiful to watch. No, it it's, is. It's insane. It's very and then he makes, catchable. It's catchable is what it is. It's just – and then – Sorry, I don't want to. I don't want to get get over the deep end here, but just just the arm angles. You know, before this, I was just forcing Duncan over and over to watch the touchdown throw to Gabe Neighbors in the right back of the end zone this last week. Um, you know, he just he has an edge rusher just about to just blow him up, and he sets his feet and just whips the ball between three defenders. 15 yards right in the bread basket, basket sidearm. It's just 
it's nothing short no, of no, phenomenal. No, no, the talent pops. The talent, like, it's... Like, we noticed it after really two weeks, but it's before. been a month now. It's been over a month, and it's every week he's making plays yeah. like this. You know, and then... Yeah. Obviously, you know, like, this, this is like an NBA thing, but, you know, like, the NBA likes to do stuff like, oh, the first player to, you know... Score a layup at 7.23 p.m. in Los Angeles on his birthday. You know, like yeah, stuff like yeah. that. But every single week, it's an NFL account tweet saying, oh, Herbert broke the rookie record. He broke the rookie record. It's only Justin Herbert and Mahomes who have ever done this. And it's every goddamn week. Yep. Like, Justin Herbert, the first rookie in NFL history with at least 250 passing yards and three passing touchdowns in four games in a row. You know, he's – the first one ever to throw 1,500 games and, or 1,500 yards, excuse me, and 15 touchdowns in his first five games. It's just – it's every week. You know, obviously, it's got to come down at some point. If it doesn't, I'm going to cry tears of joy. Um, you know, I, yeah. I fully expected this last week in Denver to be the back-to-earth game, and he did throw two picks, and he still had a stellar game. You know, we're favored against the Raiders this upcoming week. Still don't know how we're favored ever being the Chargers. But looking at the schedule, if this continues, because it very well could, you know, the Raiders' defense is kind of piss poor right now. And then week 10, it's been starred on my calendar all year. Tua versus Herbert. We're finally going to get it. Um, but Miami has, like, the top scoring defense in the league right now. You know, the Jets, Chargers will probably lose to the Jets because we're the Chargers, even though Herbert will probably throw four touchdowns. But Buffalo and New England, back-to-back, are going to be the test for Justin Herbert. Um, yeah. But, you know, Offensive Rookie of the Year, Joe Burrow's also been nothing short of phenomenal. And No, he's – I just, think they were both like, – like, Burrow is what we expected him to be. I mean, he – I mean, like, he got – But it, Herbert is excelling. No, no, no. Herbert's talent is – his physical talent is obviously in a different category than Burrow. But, but, yeah. but then again, like, Burrow is exactly what we thought he would be. Like, like he got some Brady comps, which are kind of silly at the time. But, like, it goes to it's that – Poised, thing. accurate, and unathletic. Right. What he excels at is, is poise, accuracy, and leadership. And just that thing where he, he's going to elevate whatever program he's in. You see – whether – whether or not Brady's arm was shot this year, he clearly elevated different elements of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like that, even the the defense has a new confidence about them. Not that they were, you know, playing terribly before, but like they've gotten like everything like that. Like Joe Burrow has made Cincinnati a real team. Like Cincinnati competes week in, week out. Every week except Baltimore. So, I mean, no, Cincinnati definitely. Every new young good quarterback the league sees is great because it just means more entertainment and more star power in the in the years to come. Yeah, hopefully we see that from Tua because we definitely didn't see it last week, but we also didn't have to necessarily. So hopefully Tua gets to shine bright the rest of the year. But you know, Bros played two full games more than Herbert. And Herbert's blowing him out of the water in terms of touchdowns. And he's, he's only 400 yards behind passing in two yeah, so, completely Burrow, less games. Burrow hasn't gotten the end zone a ton. I um, mean, he's had some clunkers in there as well. Um, he's also leading – Herbert's a work Burrow's on pace – Burrow might break the attempt record. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, he's the whole he's – the, <laughs> he's, the, he's that franchise um, through and through as a rookie. Um, now, to the defensive side of the ball with rookies um, – 
This guy just looks like a veteran. Um, it's Antoine Winfield Jr. He made he made two two big time plays. I mean, more than that, but one one especially at the end of the game against the Giants on Monday Night Football, breaking up that pass in the end zone. He's had a few great open field tackles. He's just that guy that knows where to be. He's always around the ball. 44 tackles, two sacks, an interception, four more passes broken up, and a forced fumble. So he does everything, stuffs the stat sheet as a safety who can play down near the line of scrimmage or high over the top. Um, so who do you have for a defensive rookie? Yeah, so I did not pick Antoine Winfield Jr. I actually stayed with my preseason pick of Patrick Queen or the Baltimore Ravens, but it's hard right now to to not love Antoine Winfield if you love football. I, he's been like, he's great, and you know the the safety position going into the draft was kind of kind of blurry. You know, Grant Delpit, Antoine Winfield Jr., but he just makes plays every week like you said he's, he's playing like a veteran but at the same time I also think Patrick Queen is um you know these are probably both top five defenses in the league they're definitely playing like it right now um but as we said the day after the first round of the NFL draft there was no better player to team fit than Patrick Queen to the Baltimore Ravens and it's definitely showing up um I do think the one thing that might ruin this for Patrick Queen is that he's actually one of the eight players on the COVID list right now. So he might not end up playing this Sunday, but I, he's going to be a star for no, the next I mean, he's in the rest of his career. And I mean, just he's, he's exactly what we expected him to be. Exactly what we expected him. And imagine like if Seattle had taken him instead of Jordan Brooks, like we would feel a lot differently about that team. And no, we were all like, it was such a love hate thing seeing that pick. Because we were like, oh, my God, Patrick Queen's going to be so goddamn good. And then it's the realization, why the fuck did the NFL let him go to Baltimore? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it, it's, just, it's just showing up more and more after every week. Right. All right. Um, and our last award uh, we'll talk about today is the Comeback Player of the Year. Uh, this one, the field isn't too inspiring for this. Um, looks like you're, you're hitting on this one from your preseason as well with Big Ben. I also went Big Ben. I just – Really don't feel like there's another candidate. Alex Smith, Gronk, um, you know, I just – there's not much. So, Big Ben's played well, though, to his credit. Um, he's looked pretty good. Not great, <clears throat> but good enough to get the Steelers to 8-0, which is really all that matters. Um, 99 quarterback rating, 15 touchdowns, four picks. Uh, so, Big Ben is my comeback player of the year uh, to this point. Yeah, you know, Big Ben was my comeback player like preseason, as you mentioned. Um, we saw Alex Smith for half a game, and, you know, he's obviously not the starter right now in Washington, but that was kind of the only guy that was going to give Big Ben a run for his money because, again, all the awards are based on story. You know, I do think Gronk has – Gronk's looked great. He's scored a touchdown in three straight weeks, but, you know, that I don't think that level of play is going to continue, especially with Antonio Brown getting on the field next week, but – you know, the, the real variable here is does Big Ben finish the season? If he gets hurt, then I don't know who this is going to go to. I think it would go to Gronk because it it's a storyline and a popularity yeah, contest. Default. It would have to go to Gronk. But I, I think the, the gap right now, I think it's Big Ben and everybody else right now. No, it's yeah, not even, no, it's not not even, even close. close. Yeah, it's not even but, close. But, yeah, I don't really think there's much 
of a competition for this award because you know usually it's like storylines like Ben or Smith it's great injury or somebody that wasn't bad like I saw somebody was like oh you know like how does Josh Allen not win comeback player of the year but well, it's, it's just come back from what it's just, exactly. it's like, just development on there. Like, <laughs> it's just hurt. it's like you need to be hurt or gone like I don't want yeah it, that's, that, that's just a like, young player <laughs> developing yeah or just like someone that played like shit the year before and is now play, like that I don't like that um, anyways, we yeah. agree on Big Ben. A lot of Steelers in these picks. Um, but we'll, we'll uh, continue to track those storylines throughout the second half of the year. Should be fun to see uh, whose stock goes up and down. Now, we have an unfortunate announcement uh, on this episode today, episode 20. There will be no Gambling Guys segment. Um, uh, there was a little coronavirus outbreak here in Syracuse. I, myself, and a am in quarantine right now, uh, having contracted the virus. Um, and Tucker and Zico are both in quarantine themselves at different locations, and they are unable to record. Um, I know this is tough to hear that we won't have, you know, the, the content of the gambling guys today. Um, but they will be back next week. They'll be back better than ever. Um, so you're going to be on your own this week with your Bucky. Um, but fear not, you're just going to have to wait until week 10. Um, so without the gambling guys, we're just going to jump right into our conclusion here um, with our games of the week. And I'll start off with my game of the week being the New Orleans Saints at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This game was played in week one uh, in the national time slot. So everyone saw it. New Orleans looked very good. The Bucs did not, uh, but things have shifted in the time since the Bucks are now considered a Super Bowl contender. And New Orleans looks a little a little suspect week to week uh, with Drew Brees and that offense struggling and the defense not playing up to par. Tampa Bay is favored by five currently. I expect it to be a very close game, um, but anytime Brady and Brees are both on the field, it's a must-watch, and it'll be huge for that division down the stretch. Yeah, definitely a good game to watch this week, especially, you know, with – not only the return of Michael Thomas, but the debut of Antonio Brown. So that's definitely going to be an exciting game to watch. A lot of polarizing receivers on both sides of the ball there. But my game to watch this week is going to be the Seattle Seahawks minus three against – or in the Buffalo – in Buffalo against the Buffalo Bills, excuse me. Um, you know, Buffalo is – like, they're still winning games, but they've definitely – kind of tailed off over the last month. You know, Josh Allen was probably the hottest player in the league through the first three weeks of the season, outside of Russell Wilson, obviously. But it just – the offense has kind of struggled. You know, we kind of – we saw Josh throw for 400 yards and Stephon Diggs at 100 yards and touchdown every week for the first month. And it's just gotten kind of stale now. They, you know, I do no think – no longer look like a team that would steal a game from a Baltimore, a Pittsburgh, or a – It looks Kansas like they City. peaked too early at this point. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know, obviously we're only halfway through. But, again, there's just no flash on this team right now. You know, the defense has been very disappointing this season as a whole in Buffalo. Obviously, a lot of injuries there. Um, but this, this team, I thought the problem was that they missed John Brown. Um, you know, Smokey missed two or three games, I think maybe even four games. Um, and that's when Josh started to struggle. But now that he's been back, it's – they just can't run the ball. Um, you know, Zach Moss and Singletary are both fine change of pace backs, but you can't have two change of pace backs and not a starting running back. You know, I really would have loved 
to see Le'Veon Bell go to Buffalo. But yeah, I just – hopefully this is the game because, you know, Seattle is breaking records on both sides of the ball where Russ is going to break touchdown record potentially. I believe Seattle has broken the record for the most yards given up through the first six or seven games of the NFL season. They have been good in the red zone. They're only given up about 21 points a game. Yeah, it, it's yeah. bends don't break. Right. But I think they've given up the most yards ever by a team at this point in the season. Yeah. So, you know, we've seen quarterbacks like Cam Newton struggle all year and go into Seattle and throw for 400 yards. So if, if the Bills don't have a spark on offense this week, it's officially a red flag. So that's yeah. definitely the main storyline to watch this and week. And at right. home. Uh, not that it matters without fans, but still don't have to travel cross country. Now for our rookie roundup. My rookie of the week, an offensive player, I mentioned him earlier this episode, is Brandon Ayuk. Um, Over the past two weeks, he has 14 catches for 206 yards and a touchdown. Many of that yard, many of those yards coming after the catch. Like you just, he's one of those guys that you just, you see him with the ball in his hands and you see him run, you see his physicality and speed and movement skills. And it just, it passes the eye test. Um, like, he is a very dangerous player with a ball in his hands. He's a natural runner, um, very comfortable working after the catch. Um, perfect player for the 49ers. It was a fantastic pick by John Lynch um, in the first round of the NFL draft last year. So I just want to see where his production continues to go. He's a very similar player to Debo Samuel, a little less physical, a little more fleet of foot. Um, but they're, they're very similar in, in how they're used and, and where they're effective before and after. Yeah, definitely. Ayuk's been really just a, a great player these last couple of weeks, especially with, you know, Debo hasn't played a lot of games this year, and he's just stepping right into that role and excelling at it. So it's definitely something great to watch there. It's a bright spot that Niner team definitely needed this season. Um, but my rookie to watch this week is Jalen Johnson. You know, he surprisingly hasn't been talked about this much that much this season uh he was the fifters he was their starting corner right now and he's probably been the best rookie corner in football right now you know we've seen a lot of struggles from you know like Damon Arnett uh Jeff Okuda other young first round corners but Jalen Johnson fell to the 50th pick and he's leading rookies in pass breakups deflections everything he's just he's been amazing you know I'm really excited to watch him hopefully go against A.J. Brown this week in Tennessee. Um, you know, Tannehill's a very efficient, accurate, good quarterback, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if he came away with a pick here and he continues his great level of play for the rest of the season. You know, he's actually – he's up there in defensive rookie of the year rankings, but, again, it's just not the name of the story. Right, yeah. No, he's, he's definitely a physical player. Um you know, it could be Chicago's modern-day peanut Tillman. We'll see. Um, he, was, he was a very good player coming out of Utah in April's draft. Um, you know, physical, has size, good ball skills. Yeah, one of those other DBs, kind of like Winfield. He just looks like a veteran. You just watch him play. You watch his demeanor after plays. You're just like, you would think he would have been in the league for four or five years. Um, so they got a good young mm-hmm. secondary with him and Eddie Jackson up there in Chicago. Um Uh, But that's all we have for you guys today on episode 20 of the Everyday Scout. Should be a pretty good week of football, some good 1 p.m. games uh, like uh, Baltimore at Indianapolis. Uh, 4 p.m. slot is Justin Herbert taking on the Raiders. 
Tua versus Kyler Murray, and then a great Sunday night football uh, matchup. Great way to cap off your Sunday with the Saints visiting the Buccaneers. So we will see you guys next week and recap uh, that action uh, from week nine. Uh, But until then, follow us on social media and let us know if there's anything you'd like us to talk about. So thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you in a week. See you guys.